Come on, wake yourself up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thankful for the Lord this morning. And uh, while you're standing, if you got your Bibles this morning, we'll read our opening scripture. We'll finish up. Uh, we've started the beginning of this month with a series on Mary. Did you know? Looking at the life of Mary as you know, I said this at the beginning, people don't often really, I guess, look at her as like this hero of faith, but really she had great faith and endured a lot and can teach us a lot about having faith as we wait for our promise to come to pass. And uh, today we'll talk, uh, we're going to finish up with uh, so her story as best we can. Uh, surely won't exhaust it, but uh, at least come to a conclusion. In Acts chapter 1, in verse 13, it says, And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Uh, I think it's uh, good to point out that they, uh, among the women, they did go ahead and list her name to let us know that she was there. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, Mary included. And they were all filled, Mary included, with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so today... We will finish our series of Mary, Did You Know, Receiving the Promise. Receiving the Promise. Let's lift our hands and pray for the lesson. Jesus, we thank you for your word. You're so precious to us, and we're so thankful for your faithfulness. Lord, let us learn today, God, how to be patient, how to wait, how to trust, how to believe, and, and hang on to the promise. Lord, anoint these lips of clay for a few moments, God, that I might preach to, our, to all of us that we can be better, be changed, be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand and a shout before you're seated. Worthy of praise. Hallelujah. Worthy of praise. Worthy of praise. You can be seated. The, the closing thought, the, the big idea for this series is that prayer, faith, and trust these three things, prayer, faith, and trust, will uh, lead to receiving the promises of God. Each one of them is important. Uh, if you pray without faith, it don't work. If you have faith but don't pray, you got the tools, but you ain't doing nothing with them. And if you don't trust God, none of it means anything. So uh, the thing that we see in the life of Mary is that she had to uh, embrace all three of these principles as she came to the close of receiving the promise. I'm not even sure that she fully understood 
what, what it meant. How could she have really understood the, the totality of it at the beginning when, as just a young teenager, uh, have an angel of God appear and say, you're going to bring the Savior of the world in, you know, into this world. He's, going, he's, he's coming through you. So she receives an incredible promise, but instead of just dismissing it, it says she pondered. You remember us talking about that word? She would ponder these things. She, she held on to it because it was from God. And if it was from God, it meant something. So I may not understand it. I may not even think this is possible. She said, I've never known a man. How can this be? But she said, I'm nevertheless, just let it be unto me as you have spoken it. So she held on to it. And then she had to wrestle with God's timing. We talked about when she found herself at the marriage feast where Jesus performed his first miracle, how that she had watched him grow into a man, and yet people still uh, could not believe her story maybe and that she had dealt with this frustration, and now she saw a chance for uh, her to be uh, validated for someone to say, hey, maybe she was telling the truth the whole time. And then uh, the one lesson we didn't get to, but uh, she learned to trust God in bad circumstances. When it, While she was believing that God was going to come through, she was believing the promises, she was watching Jesus do the things that he did, she found herself also watching him hang on a cross and die. And she had to... Uh, it, that was real. She was there. She watched it. She saw the shape of his body, the condition he was in. She saw the brutality of it. And then she saw him uh, take his last breath on that cross and die. And now she's at a point where is what I see strong enough to cancel out what I have been given? Is what I've just witnessed strong enough to stop me from believing what God said will actually come to pass. Because if this is it, then it's not what God said. When he died on that cross, uh, he said this, and you've probably heard people say, he said, it is finished, but he did not say, I am finished. And so there was a, uh, a chapter in that work that was finished, but Jesus was far from done and is far from done yet. And she believed that. She believed that something still was, must be coming because this is not what the angel said. This is not what I have envisioned. This is not uh, according to what he taught and what he said about people being saved. And this, is, this just isn't it. And she trusted God even in bad situations. <clears throat> and then Mary also ends up receiving the promise. There were times that uh, they walked with Jesus, and she walked with him following and, and saw the many miracles. She saw multitudes fed with just a, a little boy's lunch. She saw the woman with the issue of blood healed. She uh, heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead. She, she, you know, these were great and wonderful times. You know, Every day with him, you never knew what you might see. Is he going to walk on water today? Is he going to open blinded eyes? Is he going to cast out a devil? Is he going to heal leprosy? What's, what's going to happen today? But then there were also the days where they wondered, what in the world is Jesus talking about? Because now he's telling us in a little while and you will not see me anymore. And then in yet a little while you will see me. <laughs> he said, 
If I don't go, the comforter cannot come. Where is he going? What's he doing? There were a lot of things maybe they did not understand. And then after that, he was crucified. And, uh, but three days later, hope is renewed as he is resurrected from the dead. He was alive. Promises that seemed like they were gone are now renewed. That's the thing that God uh, lets us know is that uh, if I promise it, it's going to happen. Hello. <laughs> Man, if there's anything that that life of Jesus teaches me, when he said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. Destroy the miracle worker. Destroy the water walker. Destroy the one who is the king of kings and the Lord. Tear this body to pieces. You've watched me heal the sick and raise the dead. You've watched me perform miracle after miracle and teach things that you've never heard in your life. Destroy all that good and watch me raise it up. I'm telling you, when it looks like the things that you trust in or counting on in this life are being destroyed by the things of this world, you just hang on to God. Because he, if anything, if it teaches me anything, is that he is as good as his word. And if he said there ain't a weapon formed against me that'll prosper, you better believe there ain't a weapon formed against you that will prosper. It might come against you, it might hit you, it might hurt you, but it won't destroy you. And hey, if you find yourself maybe in a circumstance like Abraham did, I've got the promise of this little boy, but the Lord told me to lay him on an altar and sacrifice him. But Hebrews said that Abraham, he said he believed that God could just raise him back up from the dead. Even if I had to plunge this knife through him and take his life, God can raise him from the dead. God's not going to rob me of my promise. God's not in the taking back business. He's not going to take back what he said would happen. If he said he's a healer, he's still a healer. If he said he's a deliverer, he's still a deliverer. If he said that we could cry out to him and be saved, honey, we can still cry out and be saved. We're going to go through some things to receive the promise of God. Mary lived the life of it. A young girl. You, man, you imagine yourself at 14, especially in this day and age, 13, 14, how old she was. She's a young teenager. The, you, know, you read things and they vary the age, but definitely in her mid to early teens. I think about my mindset at that age. It sure wasn't about uh, doing something as important as bringing the Savior of the world into this world. How she had to wrap her mind around that, and we see her telling this angel, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me as you've said. Just be it unto me. God, let those promises just be unto me as you've said it. When you say that, that doesn't mean it's going to happen like you want it to happen. Right. <laughs> you know, maybe she had an idea, well, if I, if, I, if I agree to it, I get to set the terms. God still sets the terms. I have agreed that I am your vessel. I have agreed that I belong to you, and I have believed that I will receive the promise. God's going to be faithful in what he does. We like those promises to be fulfilled shortly after we receive them. 
we like it. We live in that kind of society, and, and we don't even think about it, uh, how much it affects our mindset on everything that we ask for or want. You know, it's, it's in everything you do. When you shop, you can choose your shipping method. If you want to pay for it, you can get it overnight. You may pay as much. You may double the price of what you just bought, but if you want it the next day, you can get it. Or you can, uh, you know, there's things where you can, you can get this in three weeks or you can expedite it. I'll expedite it uh, over three weeks. I'll be one around three because, you know, when, you, when we have time, that's the thing. When we, we have time, it, it, it works against us. We, we got to have it. We feel like we got to have it now. We, we are not good at waiting, but we must get better at waiting. If there are promises from God, they are, you can just rest assured that there's going to be a time frame before it is fulfilled, before you see it. Uh, Romans 8 and 25 said, But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Whew. Oh, you mean God's telling me in his word I've got to wait. You as a parent, when you tell a kid to wait, it's just like throwing gas on a fire sometimes. Because it's either going to produce a fit or a pout or something, you know, it's, or a stomp, anything like that. Or you, you just want to wait. And, but they know I'm the kid, they're the parent. I'm going to have to wait. I got to wait. Well, sometimes we feel like, God, I don't want to wait. Well, I need this. It's coming. I got, can I have it today? No. <laughs> You'll watch out for God puts you in time out. Hello. <laughs> One of the most difficult things in waiting for promises for us is that we live in a society where humans break promises. So we, uh, we start equating God to man. But the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. God's not a man. Don't ever make him out to be a man. His ways are not our ways. The Bible says that God is not slack concerning his promises. God will come through. The longer we wait, we start thinking maybe the promise is going to be broken. But not with God. God does not break promises. If God said it, you can count on it. Another thing that we encounter is that the longer we have to wait, the more likely we are to start doubting the promise. Our minds are filled with questions as, did I actually hear correctly what he said, or was it just my own wishful thinking that this is going to happen? Did, did I really hear him call me? Because nobody's asked me to preach yet. Uh, there's no church opened up for me to pastor you. Did he really say that I would do that? And you've got to wait. And you've got to wait. And we don't like to wait. But what we can do while we're waiting is remember this one thing, that a promise is only as good as the promise giver. And we got the best promise giver ever. <laughs> a promise is only as good as the promise giver. And our promise giver is not like man. He's not like uh, political people. He's not like teachers. He's not like governors. He's not like presidents. He's not like your neighbor. He's God Almighty. He is 
the truth. He is uh, uh, that way maker. He's that strong tower. He's the one we trusted to save us. God's going to come through. God cannot lie. It is impossible for him to do so. Whenever we get a promise, maybe like Mary, that seems like there's no way, or we're in a situation where there's no way this can happen, you just remember who gave the promise. Now, you think, well, I didn't hear him just promise me specifically. But when you believe this, the old song said, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, and every line. Well, the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen. And the promises are to the children of God. And so you can rely on his word. You can trust his word. You can re- remind God that, hey, I, I, I'm your child and, and I believe your word and I trust this today. I'm, I'm praying the word. I'm believing the word. I'm living the word. I'm applying the word to this situation because he is the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. That means the word is not a lie. Nothing penned in here is a lie. It's not fiction, it's not fable, it's not myth, it's the truth. And every bit of it's the truth. And that's why all scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, for correction. It'll help you in every situation. That's why we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When he said we don't live by bread only, you can just start factoring that into the things of this world. We, we don't live by bread only. We don't live by uh, the things of this world only. It, there are, guess what? Bread's necessary. Food is necessary. I believe that, that doctors are necessary. I believe that laws are necessary. But I don't simply live my life by these for my fulfillment. Because sometimes it's out of the doctor's hand, but it ain't ever out of his hand. Sometimes my job situation is out of my hand, but it ain't out of his hand. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and I've never seen his seed begging bread. That's because God is a sustainer. God is a promise giver. God cannot lie. He said, Jesus taught him, said, look around and Check out the birds flying around and said, they don't go hungry. Look at these flowers and grass. Look how the earth is clothed and beautiful. And even Solomon, all his beauty was it. Uh, he didn't look like this. He said, don't you know that God will do you one better than that? How much better are you than the birds? How much better are you than the flowers? He didn't die for the birds and he didn't die for the flowers. He died for you and me. He didn't create the birds in his his image. He didn't create the ground in his image. He created us in his image. God's going to take care of his people. Woo-hoo. Hey, come on. There's something so solid to grab a hold to right there. Man, I'm telling you, it'll get you through every kind of weather. It'll get you through every situation. That God is faithful. He cannot lie. Man, there's something that's... Just good about being on solid ground. We used to sing standing on the promises. 
standing on the promises of God. Man, some of them old songs was written out of, uh, out of faith and out of people, out of experience. It's like a testimony. People were just letting us know through song, you can stand on the promises of God. Yeah, I'm talking about stand, not be knocked off, not be knocked back, not be done away with, not be destroyed. You can stand on the promises of God. That's why the, the writer he, he, he made sure we understood this in the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 6. He, he wanted to make sure we understood that God cannot lie. He, he began to recount the promises he gave to Abraham. and said when God made a promise to Abraham because he had no one greater by whom to swear by, he swore by himself saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And Abraham lived into an old age before he ever saw that promised child. But Abraham waited and obtained the promise. He said, people swear by something greater than themselves. I know that I'm reading a different version than what it's putting up, I'm sure, uh, in this book. And in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things, It's impossible for God to lie. And we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. Man, I'm telling you, uh, that's two great things. God won't lie, and I've got something to hold on to. The Bible says you can take hold of this, that they that fear the Lord will come forth of them all. That's something you can hold on to. That you'll, it don't matter if you're, you ain't got to be as smart as everybody. You ain't got to be as pretty as everybody. You ain't got to be as talented as everybody. But if you fear God, man, you got something to hold on to and you will come out. People say, well, it'll be the strongest. It'll be the fastest. But the Bible says the race is not given to the, to the strong or to the swift. But time and chance happens to us all. When it comes to that playing field of faith, it ain't about how physically strong you are. It ain't about how mentally strong you are. Where's your faith? The Lord said he he chose those low things of the world, the simple things to confound the wise. He he said people can trust in their wisdom and they'll never get what I'm trying to show them. I know some people that's real book smart in this world today. They couldn't tell you nothing the Bible said. And they don't believe a lot that the Bible says because their textbook doesn't line up with that, because their professor doesn't teach that, because the school doesn't get behind that. They, they don't get behind creation, but they want to teach evolution, and they, they, they want to twist and turn the Word of God, but God's Word is forever settled in heaven. And if it's settled in heaven, I can pray, my Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That word settled in heaven and let that word be worked out, performed, and, and completed right here in my life on earth. You've got to trust the word of God. But you're going to have to trust him in such a way that you can stand when people say, I don't believe a word you're saying. How many times did somebody uh, come up to Mary and say, shame on you. Joseph's a good man, and I can't believe you've shamed him like this. But I didn't shame him. I've never been with a man. And they just pointed her stomach. And she had to stand there and say, 
whether you believe me or not, this is from God. Uh, we got to get that backbone of that little girl. Hey, I don't believe what your church teaches. And I don't believe that stuff you say is in the Bible. And that might be your family. That might be your friends. But you're going to have to say, no matter what you believe, it really matter what I believe, it matters what it says right there. Because neither me nor you have the power to change what's in here. And Mary, the reason that we find her sitting in that upper room praying with all them other people is because she was willing to stand when it was hard. Oh, I'm sure them early days were tough that uh, she was trying to figure out. What, I'm sure when her maybe her own family turned their back or some her closest friends that she grew up with were not allowed to associate with that kind of person anymore. So they don't say it in the scripture. I said, well, my goodness, they do that today. But... but you think how it was back then, man? They would stone you for things like that. She could have been uh, stoned for that. Even Joseph was like, about ready to put her away till the Lord had to come and say, uh-uh, but this is from me. He, had an eight, he didn't say it like that. But, uh, at least it's not wrote like that. But, uh, but essentially, he told him, put the brakes on, Joseph. This, you know, she's telling the truth. It's, it's from me. And so Joseph understood, and Joseph knew. And he realized that, uh, okay, this is going to be for God. So he was able to stand with her. It was hard on him. It was tough, but it was the Lord. And I'm sure Joseph probably got a lot of uh, praise that because they were, he's such a good guy to keep her and take her on anyway. And he's just thinking, man, y'all don't even know this is the Lord. You got to stand if you're going to see the promises. You got to trust God if you're going to see the promises. And uh, if we ever thought, well, now that I come to serve the Lord, it's going to be like a, it's just going to be like an amusement park the rest of my days. It's just going to be like my birthday every day. I'm, I'm, it's just going to be cake and gifts and presents and nothing's wrong. Well, that ain't true. It don't happen like that. Uh, we go through some trials and some tests. We go through some things that, that work on our faith. And, and James said in, in James 1 3, we need to know this. Or he said, we know this, knowing this. This is something we understand that the trying of our faith worketh patience. Well, there's another place that says, tribulation or the trying of your faith. Tribulation worketh patience. A patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. So we're trying to make sure we don't lose hope. We want to get to hope. You know what hope is? It's the great-grandchild of tribulation. If you look at it down the list, it would be the great-grandchild of tribulation. People always say their grandchildren are great. So I don't know. It is in this count because if I'm going to get to hope, there's going to be some tribulation. There's going to be some, there's going to be some waiting I'm going to experience some things before I, I get to where I can hold on to hope. Sometimes it's a very quick ride to it. Sometimes it's a longer ride to it. And we have to bear it out. We have to hold on to it. But, but what it tells me is that even when tribulation is all you see, because it's number one, that's the smack in the face, tribulation. That hurts. It's bad. It's confusing. It messes you up. 
but what I realize is that down the line, hope's coming. In other words, I know that something good can come out of something bad. And just because uh, there's tribulation working right here, there's going to be some things that change generation to generation. It's, the next generation is going to be patience. The next generation is going to be experience. Then that next generation, that's going to be hope. Patience is a rebellious child against tribulation because tribulation wants to kill you. It wants to stop you. Tribulation was meant to destroy you, kick you, push you out. That's why the Lord told Peter, he said, listen, uh, Satan has desired to have you, to, to sift you as wheat. You're going to be tried. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. He, he said, I don't, I don't make sure, Peter, that you hold on. Tribulation is designed to take you out. Uh, that's what the enemy wants you to believe. But when I look at tribulation now, understanding what I know, is that all I got to do is hang around for a little while, and that rebellious child called patience is going to show up. If we stick around a little longer, here comes experience. And if I just don't turn my back, hope's right around the corner. Let me tell you, honey, hang in there. Hope's coming. Come on, somebody. Hope's coming. You know, I'll be like Job. Job, and after that, it's just hope, 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 hope. Well, old Job, he hung in there and said he saw that next group of children. He saw several generations later. You know what that is? He was seeing great-grandchildren and great-greater-grandchildren. I don't know what it's great-great-great-great-great-great-great. How many greats you keep putting in there? But uh, that's the way it is. When you get through that first trial, when you found that first hope, the next one coming on, hope's with you already. But I'm about to get another great-grandchild. I'm going to get another great-grandchild. And I've just every tri trial or test of my faith, I'm just piling up hope in my corner. So now every time I see something, all I got to do is say, mm, I may have never seen this kind of storm before, but it still births the same thing. This tribulation might be a little different. At first one, that was my job, but this one's it's my health. But it'll all come out the same way. Hope will be at the end of it. Honey, I'm telling you, God is faithful. And we will receive the promise. We're going to come through the, our trials and tests. We're going to see God do what only he can do. You hold, up, hold fast, hang in there. When, don't you know that when she, like I said, I already said, but when she saw Jesus die on that cross... You know, there were a lot of people watching him die that day. A lot of them had seen what he could do. They were walking by shaking their head. Oh, he, he saved others. Why can't he save himself? And, you know, just trying to, hey, you know, if you are the son of God, come down off that cross. We'll believe you. Just, they said they walked by wagging their head. What a shame. You know, what such a young man and, and did so many good things. Did he have to die? But his death wasn't a waste. His death was necessary. His death had to happen. His death was the fulfillment of the promise. Jesus said himself, to this end, I was born. He had already told them, look, I'm going away to prepare a place that where I am you can be also, and if I go away, you can rest assured I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself. Before he said all that, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. He would say, look, it's going to get bumpy, but don't give up on me. Just have faith in God. Just have faith in God. Trust God. If you believe God, believe me also. Don't, don't throw in the towel. Don't quit serving me. Don't, don't act like I can't do what I said I could do. The comfort is coming. The Holy Ghost is coming. Just hang in there. 
In other words, my going will be my coming. I'm going away so I can come back. And this time I won't be walking side by side in flesh with you, but I'll be living inside of you. The promise was coming. In Luke 24 and 49, Jesus said, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But he said, Oh, right, here I am right now. No, but, but Terry. <laughs> Why the suspense? Why have I got to wait? I want to see if you really trust me. I want to see if you really want it. I have wanted a certain food. You know, oh, man. She said, I like Chick-fil-A. We'll use that. Man, I'd really love some Chick-fil-A today. Pull up and the line's wrapped all the way around the building twice. I'm going to Wendy's. Oh, I really wanted Chick-fil-A. But I will substitute and do without what I really wanted because I don't want to wait. Oh, you know, you've walked in a restaurant. How long's the wait? Hour and a half. You don't want to go to Taco Bell. Because I don't wait, I want to eat. I didn't come to the restaurant to wait, I come to eat. But he said, you go tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Don't you leave, don't you. You know what he told me? He said, don't quit until you get it. Yeah. Don't, uh, you, well, you know, you don't set, that's what, that's the timer right there. You see, we think, well, I've been here a day. Nothing's happened, I, I guess that's long enough. He said, you tarry until you are endued with power from on high. You don't stop waiting. You don't stop expecting. You don't stop serving. You don't stop praying. You don't stop believing until you get what I said was coming. How long do I have to wait, Lord, till you get it? How long have I got to be here in Jerusalem until you get it? I wonder how many people went I wonder if it was originally 120. The Bible says at one place it was seen above 500, but only 120 was in the upper room. Where's that, where's that other 380 at? I wonder how many of the, that 380 maybe went and said, man, I can't stay here all week. I got things to do. I thought it was going to, I figured we'd get to Jerusalem, boom, pow, Holy Ghost, I got it. Whatever he's talking about, I don't even know, but I figured we'd get it. What about them guys he breathed on and said, receive you the Holy Ghost? They still had to go to Jerusalem and wait. He breathed on it. Was that it? Was that it? That's why people say that was it. He, they gave him the Holy Ghost right then. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. If, if he had, why they got to go? Why they got to go tarry and wait for it? It hadn't been given yet. Oh boy! But when you go and when you trust God and you wait, you do what He says. Wait. Keep waiting. Might be a day. Might be a week. Might be a year. Might be two years. Oh, no. Man, if we had to line up and try to compare ourselves, if, if we was in the comparison game, we had to talk about how, you know, how long we have to wait compared to how long Joseph had to wait. Right. You know, I've read different things, 17 years, things like that. Oh, I, uh, never mind. Hey, Noah, how's that 120-year wait coming? Yeah. Heard from God at the beginning, and there's no record, recording that God ever spoke to him in 120 years after that. Fifty years in, he's looking at people saying, God said build it. Seventy-five years in, he's telling people, God said build it. A hundred years in, people say, no, what is God said build it. Yeah. I'm sure there were many days while he was 
driving pegs or nails or sawing or cutting or doing, that he was thinking, just one drop of rain, God, just one, just one drop. Just let me feel one drop. Mm-mm. Can't do that. It's not time. Just let me see one fountain shoot up out of the ground. Something. Nope. No recorded. Nothing. Just faith in God's word. I'm going to believe it just like I received it. And it came to pass just like he said it. So we have no reason. Hey, especially if we're going to make it in this day where it said it would be like the days of Noah. We better believe it just like we received it. You know what? I've been working on this boat a long time. I believe I can cut about 10 feet off the back of it. It saved me a month. Yeah, that boat would have sunk because it wasn't God's plan. But Noah had faith and eight souls were saved. Eight souls were saved. So was that a waste? Just eight souls out of that whole world? It ain't a waste when one soul saved. When you believe God, God will get done what needs to be done. And if all them people, if the whole world didn't want to line up with Noah, all them people in the land, all the people he knew, you know Noah had other family besides his wife and his kids and, and his daughter-in-laws. I'm, his mom and dad may have still been alive. It doesn't say, but it don't, don't not say. How many uncles, cousins, aunts were... Yeah, we don't talk about Noah. That's, that's my wife's side of the family. We don't talk about it. Or that's my, that's my husband's side of the family. You know, we don't talk about him. Uh, he's, we, we don't invite him to Thanksgiving and, and things like that. Well, you know, we, is that to say, hey, that, no, that, that's your? No. How many people just flat out denied it? I don't know him. <laughs> I don't know him. No matter what they, what they did, if they stood with him or not, Noah stood. And for 120 years. Said he preached. The Bible said he was a preacher of righteousness. He kept preaching the truth. He kept preaching what God said. And it came to pass just like God said. I don't know how many people were standing outside when that first drop of rain did fall. Somebody just walking around out in the field. Bird. Oh, ain't no bird. That looks like water. We've never, because they've never seen rain. Water's coming out of the sky. That's incredible. Didn't I hear something about that happening? Oh, yeah, that crazy guy out there building a boat said there was going to be some rain. And then here comes water shooting up out of the ground. And faster than they can build their own boats, water's filling up the land. And they're beating on the only boat in the land. The promise will happen. And Noah and his family were saved just like God said they would be. It was hard, it was long. It was excruciating, and uh, I'm sure it was heartbreaking for those that didn't want to believe it. But I can't quit because somebody don't believe it. I got to keep working. You and I, we got, we're going to receive the promise. You got to keep on being who God called you to be. Have faith in Him, trust Him. God cannot lie, and He didn't lie about that promise of the Holy Ghost either. It came just like He said it would come. When Peter stood up and preached, said that same Jesus that you crucified, that blessed Savior, that Messiah, he is Lord and Christ. It smote their heart. What shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
For the promise is unto you and to your children and all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise was for them. Jesus did things in a way that was different than anybody else ever did them. He, he picked people that nobody else would have ever picked to put on his team. He decided, I'm, you know, we're going to take, I'm going to live 30, 30 years or so before I even start doing what I got to do. And then he only worked for three, three and a half years. You know, we, we wouldn't wait till we was 30 or 33 to start trying to change the world. If we was building a team to change the world, we'd be trying to pick the smartest, the brightest, the, the most educated, the most money, most talented. But he got fishermen and tax collectors and <laughs> traders. He said, I chose all of you. One of you is a devil. But he was necessary. He was, it was, was he necessary? Yeah, he was necessary. He played a, a vital role in what happened. Somebody had to sell him out. And Jesus knew what was in his heart all the way from the beginning. He knew Judas would never stand. And he needed that. He needed somebody that would be there. He had opportunities. But it wasn't in his heart to be faithful to the Lord. And so remember this. Whether your circumstance is good or bad, it's never about the circumstance. It's about the God of the circumstance. In good times or in bad times, it's still God. God is good in the good times. God is good in the bad times. It's the circumstance uh, doesn't uh, control God. God controls the circumstance. He has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. He causes it to rain on the just and on the unjust. It's the Lord that makes the sun come up. It's the Lord that makes the sun go down. It's, uh, so that means he's the, he's the God of daytime, God of nighttime. He's, he's God in every bit of it. And if you trust and hang in there, you'll see the promise fulfilled. You know, Mary and them disciples, they could have walked off at any time. When everything looked like it was really going good, Jesus you know, people had seen miracles. They'd saw signs and wonders. He had a big following. And here comes the miracle worker. Here he comes. But he started saying, well, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. What? <laughs> he starts teaching things like, uh, like that. And they're like, hmm, this is a hard saying. And he said, does this offend you? You know, you, you want the fish and the loaves. You want all the, the good stuff. But if you want to be part of me, you got to be part of the sacrifice. you got to believe me, trust me, be with me. And said from that time forth, many of his disciples walked away and followed him no more. The crowd was dispersing. He turned around and looked at the 12. He said, will you also go away? And Peter said, where would we go? You have the words to eternal life. I heard something a long time ago from you, Jesus, that got me here. I ain't going nowhere. I heard something a long time ago that got me here. I ain't going nowhere. No matter which way the road turns, it's too late in the game for that. I'm not going. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You know, uh, we don't like to do it oftentimes, but sometimes we have to even eat when we're sick. It ain't as good, but you got to eat because you got to keep your strength up. You don't really feel like eating, but you need to eat because you got to have something in you. That's what it takes. You got to take, if you're going to take that medicine, you got to have food in you. Oh, I don't even want to eat. I don't want to lift my head off the pillow, but I better eat because I don't want to we don't even like it. Sometimes tasting and seeing that the Lord is good is right in the middle of that darkest, deepest trial. When I don't feel like 
praying and I don't feel like praising. I don't feel like worshiping. I feel like being nice to people. <laughs> I feel like loving my brother like I love myself right now. I just feel like crying. That's exactly when you need it. And you just take a, another a bite of that goodness of the Lord and you lift your hand and say, God is good all the time. I'll bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And I remember it said somewhere that he has turned my morning, not the daytime morning, but the, that morning in my spirit, that, that sorrowful spirit, he has turned my morning into dancing. He'll give me the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so I'm just hanging in here. Those tribulation works patience and patience experience, experience hope. Honey, you can come to the music. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men to me. He wasn't talking about, oh, hey, honey. <laughs> He's somebody's honey. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. He wasn't talking about lifting him up in praise. He was talking about they were going to lift him up on that cross. It would be the sacrifice of his death, but they would finally see who he was, what he's done. The old song said, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. The Roman centurion was at the cross and looked up and said, truly, this is the Son of God. He might have been one of the guys that kicked him, pushed him, punched him, but it was undeniable to some what was happening in that day. His disciples mother watched it happen she watched it and then she watched him show back up in that room and say peace be unto you and she heard him say go tarry in Jerusalem and she went just like it was way back some 33, 34 years prior to that Mary was probably close to probably close to 50 now. And I'm sure she thought back to that night in her house or wherever she was when that angel appeared unto her. And, and just like she said on that day, be it unto me. She sat in that upper room. And she said, be it unto me. And she prayed and she believed. And just like those other 119 in that room, she received the promise she waited just like she had been waiting for so long. Good times, bad times, ups, downs, laughter, tears, all the things. That, but now here it is. The one who had carried Jesus, the promise, was now filled with the promise. Jesus had to go away so he could come again. And he did. And Mary began to speak in a language her son was given her. The Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ. And we, they spoke as the Spirit gave utterance. Her son was speaking through her. Man, that's... <laughs> we didn't ask her about that when we get there. How did that feel? But we must be willing to do as Mary did. You can stand with me. If we're going to receive the promise... We must willingly submit to God's plan. 
be it unto me. Submit to his timing. I'll wait and to his purpose. We must not allow our circumstances to dictate what God's plan is for us. His ways are higher than our ways. And and instead of allowing our circumstances to control our emotions, we must ponder and pray over the promises we have been given. Then we must hold on to the promises that we have been given and continue to believe. And then lastly, we just wait until we are endued with that promise. For if God said it, we can count on it. It will come to pass. We're going to get the promise. Amen? Praise God. Let's lift our hands and pray together this morning. Encourage yourself in the Lord this morning. Receive the word of the Lord today. Lord God, I praise you. Oh, God, I thank you for always keeping your promises. Lord, I want to keep the promises I made when I said I'll follow you. I want to keep the promises I made when I said I'll trust you and I'll believe you, Lord. So, God, encourage me and strengthen me. Encourage my faith today. Thank you for the patience that has been developed in my life. Thank you for the hope I have received because of it. And, Lord, we thank you so much for the Holy Ghost that lives inside of us today. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for what it did. Thank you for what it's still doing. Thank you, Lord, that people can still receive the promise today. Glory to God. We love you and we praise you. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Give him a hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. I'm going to receive the promise in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Looking forward to this next service. Let's find a place to pray. Looking for God to do some great, great things. Amen. God bless you.